Um, uh, hang on a second. Uh, Amber needs to talk to me real quick. Okay. Uh, I just, I put a thing, and I was hoping you'd see it in Discord, but uh, I figured you probably wouldn't have the time to look at it. Uh, I got a craving for McDonald's in the shower. Do you want anything for McDonald's? Uh, sure. Um, Do you want to just Discord it to me, or? Uh, could I have a filet fish combo with Ugh. sweet tea? Yes. Ugh. Just the regular size. This, the I guess that's medium. Maybe yeah, it's small. I think uh, filet fish. Not going to do anything but medium. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. Thank you. Filet uh-huh. okay. fish. Yes. Uh. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the worst I thing know, on the McDonald's I menu. I know everybody. Gets. Everybody fucking hates on the filet fish, but you know what? Fuck you. Tuning into Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My name is Brian. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me on the internet at RoomwearePod, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Gay Space Pod. With me, as always, is my full grown adult co host, August. Hello, I'm August. I don't know. Maybe I still am a baby sometimes, but. Um, you know, sometimes it just be like that. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Harpy Dora. I have a Tumblr in there somewhere, not at Harpy Dora. Maybe you can find it. Maybe you can't. Um, and my pronouns are they, them. Um, let's see. Cartoon. Do we have any cartoon news? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, there is, have you ever watched Over the Garden Wall? It's something that I desperately need to watch, but... You should watch it now that it's spooky season. It's a very I, good spooky season series. Pause so all your other series. You guys can bang it. You can bang it out in an evening because the episodes are real short. They're like ten minute episodes. Here's here's the problem, Brian. I am mm-hmm. about to sell this house tomorrow as of recording. By the time that this airs, I will have sold this house and bought a new one and have have like maybe four days to get out of this house. I don't see any problems here. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I also don't even know where to watch it. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it was a Cartoon Network joint. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, like, I mean, once you guys get settled in or you're, like, sitting around one night or whatever and you want to watch something, like, yeah. you can really bang it out in an evening because it's very short. Also, we'll need a TV. Do you guys not own a television? I mean, we do own a television, but... Like, we're getting rid of our current one, uh, largely because it's very big and we don't want to move it and we won't have a place to put it in the new house because the area that we have for the TV, it will not fit in. So we won't have a TV in our living room. Well, I have one in your bedroom. Oh, yeah, that's just... true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that guy, the guy, you've seen the art from it, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, that guy, the director of that show, is doing a Red Wall series. Shoutouts to Izzy because I don't care about Red Wall. I'm sorry. I, For people who care about Red Wall, that's probably phenomenal news. I don't but... know. I don't know much about Red Wall except that it's like kind of vaguely English English countryside mice. But like, if anyone was gonna make that good, it's this dude. Like, cause like. Uh, over the garden wall is like full on, like fucking um, Wicker Man esque mm-hmm. fucking countryside shit. In like, it feels like it would be really good for Red Wall. Okay, I mean we can Izzy can react to this in mm-hmm. the next episode. Um, <laughs> so the only other cartoon news I can think of is Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah, um, you know the original is either coming to Netflix or is already on Netflix unsure as of this recording and then also isn't there supposed to be a longer trailer dropping shortly for the live action one yeah but honestly that teaser that, that quote-unquote teaser they posted that's good enough for me like that yeah. was like yeah all right this is all i need <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, i i was in as soon as john cho got cast honestly so you know everything else is gravy at this point i'm very much looking forward to it um it although, comes out tomorrow Cowboy mm. Bebop, the the anime drops on Netflix tomorrow. I just looked it up on Netflix. <laughs> uh, the The only problem is fucking Netflix being fucking Netflix over Dave Chappelle makes mm. it really difficult to want to go binge it right now. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, just steal it. Who cares? They've got their money. Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, that's- oh, uh, cursed mm-hmm. cartoon shit. Uh, did you see the the teaser trailer for the Critical Role cartoon? I very explicitly have like Critical Role muted <laughs> on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, I'm glad that, that I get, I'm glad that I can physically bypass all of your blockades. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Well, you can't you can put it in front of me, but that doesn't mean I have to watch it, and I'm not going to watch it because fuck Critical Role, like, ugh. 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 <laughs> um listen, if you're if you're listening to this and you like critical role, that's fine. I'm not going I'm not here to convince you to not like critical role. But if you are here and you're listening to this and somehow you don't know about Friends at the Table, listen to Friends at the Table, please. It's it's canon gay. I think the key thing to for to the difference is like the visual aspects of critical role. I can see very being very appealing. I have a hard time watching actual play stuff. I will let you in on a secret, August. Uh, I watched critical role for the entire first season from episode four forward live every Thursday. I was there. I'm so sorry, Brian. I did not know about other things. <laughs> I know, and that's why I'm telling people mm-hmm. here and now if... Well, I'm just saying, the visual aspect is very engaging, like, uh, for somebody who's, like, a vi- very visual person like me. Yeah. That, so. I mean, that that's fair. I'm not... Again, I'm not trying to convince people that they're wrong for, for watching and or listening, but at the same time, it's just, like, I don't have that kind of time. The characters can be compelling because these are professional voice actors but ultimately Turns out the like professional actors are good at acting 
But ultimately, it's like, for me, the ways in which it refused to address certain things was very disheartening. The fandom is also very disheartening. The way that they choose not to discourage certain fandom behaviors is disheartening. And so overall, it just added up to, I could use that four hours to listen to, you know, a few episodes of The Shrieking Shack instead of trying to catch up on Critical Role, you know? Right, right, right. Also, they're going to get a video game. That's so fucking cursed. I hate this. (laughs) In what world is it fair that Critical Role is getting an animated TV show and a video game when fucking Friends at the Table is right there? You know what would make a really great JRPG, despite the fact that I really don't care for this season? Fucking Partisan. Partisan is made to be a JRPG. Like, it's right there. To hell with that. Partisan is like a glorious mix of Metal Gear Solid and fucking Titanfall. That's what I want. Ugh. You would you would remind me even further of Titanfall. Uh, it's been over two years, Brian. It's been over two years since you cursed me with the knowledge <laughs> of this fucking game, and I hate it. I hate it. Um, and I mostly just Apex hate it Legends because continues to also be very good. Like, uh, respawn made a good universe. I still need to log into Apex Legends and make sure that my account is actually unbanned. Oh, yeah. I I have not been playing as much because I haven't had a whole lot of people to play with. And I after, can only play a competitive game like that by myself for so long till I get kind of bored. After after we get settled, mm-hmm. I will beg Ashlyn and I will I will gladly play with you, even though I will probably suck even more than I did before because I haven't played in ages. That's ah, no worries. Uh we just got, I just need, I need story updates. I need to know what's going on with Valkyrie and, and Loba. Like, <laughs> uh, um, let's but see. yeah, but yeah, so I wanted to curse you with that knowledge. Um, Thanks. you're welcome. Um, do you watch I'm any cartoons? Uh, mm, we've watched, I think we've watched an episode or two of Amphibia since the last time we recorded it's difficult for me to say because things are a blur of stress right now. No, that's for you uh, guys have been doing a whole lot. Yeah, we're trying to pack an entire household. Uh, and it's not going as well as one would hope. <laughs> it uh, never does. Every pa- every time I've ever moved, it's been uh, progressively less and less organized boxes until like two days before I have to move and in which the 50 gallon uh, contractor bags are purchased from the Walmart. Oh uh, yeah. And it's all going in, baby. It's all no, going in. I'm a, uh, uh, I'm to the point I'm, I'm getting our glassware done now while we still have the time to be conscientious about it because I don't want to lose any of it in the move. That's fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'm going to end up putting in hillbilly luggage uh, which is what my uh, step step my my dad's girlfriend. I don't know why they don't get married, but my my stepdad's my my dad's step girlfriend. I don't know. Um, she <laughs> step girlfriend. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for naming this episode. <laughs> but uh, she calls she calls it hillbilly luggage when you throw things into trash bags to move it. 
Um, she's not wrong. <laughs> no, she's not. Uh, but yeah, I I feel like we've watched a little more Amphibia. Um, as things have gotten progressively more unhinged, I've been mm-hmm. getting more and more interested it, in It does the show. just get really weird, I love it. Like, yeah. the more Anne stops caring that the world is so fucking weird and she's just getting used to, like, oh, this world is incredibly dangerous and I've just got to deal with that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's... the town is destroyed every episode. <laughs> yeah, the more, the more unhinged it's gotten and the more, like... Again, I don't want to say adult-oriented because that implies, like, they're, they're sexual in some way, but, like... The more jokes aimed at the parents of the kids who are the target audience there are, the more engaged I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really think the writers, like, as the show is progressing, like, I feel like they realize they're going to be playing to an older audience. Because if you look at the demographics of people who like cartoons like Amphibia, they skew older than, mm-hmm. you know, what the target audience typically is. Yeah. So maybe I think they just started writing for that crowd. Um, have you gotten to the episode with the, the, the little witch who has a crush on Sprig? Uh, I watched the episode where Sprig and his sparring partner, uh, were being arranged to be a couple. And then at the end, Sprig decided that he was actually in love with her the whole time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the one who's... Mo- is that the episode like she she's the i don't know if they reveal it but her mom's like super hoity-toity and all that jazz uh i mean her mom like runs a restaurant or something like that like we've seen Anne interact with her like at a restaurant before okay. but like yeah, she her like family's house yeah her family's yeah. like uh old money yeah 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 um yeah, it gets it gets funner and just weirder and season three has been pretty fun so far. Mm-hmm. Um What have I what haven't I watched? Um let's see. So season three of Amphibia dropped. It's pretty fucking good. Uh I watched um Oh what uh, I, there was something something I, i've watched a bunch of shit watched a bunch of the heartland series i've watched like fucking three seasons of the heartland <laughs> series um been watching this youtuber named curio who's very good um da, 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 da. Re- wrestling is very good right now uh, I wish I wish we had time and access to TNT right now. I let you in on a secret. You do not need to have TNT to watch it. <laughs> I, I would I like to. I, I would like to watch it on TNT to pad their numbers. You may not need to. <laughs> <laughs> they beat SmackDown and head to head on Friday night last Friday. So I saw that. Not in raw numbers, but in demog- like in key demos. Mm-hmm. It was wild. Wild how much they crushed them. Yeah, it was like 500 to 300, wasn't it? Yeah. No, no, it was like 300 to 200. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's what I watched recently. Young Justice season four. Yeah, season mm-hmm. four dropped. It's pretty good. I don't know where it's going. And they're doing some like Martian racism story on Mars. And I'm like, like on one hand, I'm like, man, this feels like they're like very like blah, 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 racism or like, oh, this is bad. Because like, I'm like, are they just going to like be like, oh, skin differences and stuff. And then Dasad, like one of Darkseid's generals shows up and he's like, I find your petty racism hilarious. He said that Mm -hmm. line verbatim. Jesus. And I'm like, okay, Young Justice, you know what? I think maybe you know what you're doing. <laughs> you might actually know what's going on here. And also, they've just not, like, the acts of racism that are being committed against, like, Miss Martian, who is a white Martian, uh, are really bad. Like, they're really, really bad. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, maybe they're they're just doing the damn thing. So... Um, yeah, that's, I guess that's about it. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's get into our episodes. Uh, this week we are covering episodes 92, 93, and 94, Monster Reunion, Alone at Sea, and Greg the Babysitter. First up is episode 92, Monster Reunion. Um, It debuted on July 27th, 2016. It was written by Raven Mollesey and Paul Velico. What the fuck? This official synopsis. You remember that, like, Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service was extremely concise and good? Yes. Are we back to our regular bullshit? Strap in. Steven reunites with an old friend. That's it. (sighs) (laughs) Okay. Like, you're not wrong, but you could put in a little bit more effort, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. So the episode starts with Steven. He's sitting on his bed uh, and he's playing with MC Bear Bear, um, which the Wikipedia spelled out his full name, Master of Ceremonies Bear Bear. (laughs) Wow. Um, And because he's not he's not an MC in the sense that he's anyways, whatever, Wiki. I don't think he's an actual Master of Ceremonies. He's an MC in the fact that he's a DJ. Yeah. Uh, Steven notices that he has a tear, uh, Mr. or MC Bear Bear has a tear tear, uh, distraught about this, uh, Steven apologizes for being too rough on MC Bear Bear and gives him a little kiss, uh, which heals MC Bear Bear. Steven rushes downstairs to the gyms and he's like, guys, guys, watch this. And he takes a plate out of Pearl's hand, smashes it on the fucking ground, much to the horror of Pearl. He's like, I got my fucking healing powers back. Watch this shit. And Pearl's like, don't touch the broken goddamn plate. We believe you. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, Steven says to Garnet, uh, I want to use my powers. And then Garnet cuts him off saying, no, you can't. He's like, what? She's like, I use my future vision. You want to go heal one of the monsters and it's not going to work. And Steven's like, is there any version of the future that I convince you to let me do so? And Garnet's like, no. Uh, And then Steven breaks out the puppy dog eyes and Garnet crumbles uh, basically immediately. And they go into the temple. Uh, Steven gets down the uh, bubble that has a centipedal in it. 
along with the bubble has the chaps. Uh, they pop the bubble, and as Centipedal is reforming, Steven licks his hand, slaps her right up in the fucking gym, and the squiggles that were on the gym heal somewhat and go straight, and then um, Centipedal reforms. Not exactly whole, but, like, much more bipedal, much more whole than she was. She's, like, kind of like a, like a, a whatever a, a centipede furry is. Leave your I, comments in the description I, below. Um, yeah. Uh, and she still can't talk, uh, but she does seem to be more cogent uh, than she was as a full-on bestial centipedal. Uh, Steven asks the gems if she can stay, uh, and wins them over with his puppy dog eyes. Uh, so he's hanging out with Centipedal, and they're trying to communicate. She can't talk, so Steven's like, oh, we can just communicate through writing with each other. Uh, where he writes down his name Steven, hands the crayons over to Centipedal, where she writes down what appears to be Squiggles. Steven's like, shit. Uh, he doesn't swear because he's a good boy. He's like, dang. Uh... And so they begin to communicate with art, Stephen drawing some stick figures, Centipedal drawing some stick figures back. Uh, and Stephen starts diving into her history where we get the narration of what basically happened with Centipedal. Uh, she was the captain of a starship. She had a whole crew. They came to Earth in the initial gym settlement of Earth. And when the gym war broke out, she fought, ostensibly probably on the side of the diamonds, it would seem. Um... During the conflict, uh, she was uh, separated from her unit uh, and, while trying to escape the planet, was caught up in whatever it is that the Diamonds did that corrupted all of the gems. Uh, this unlocks some traumatic memories for uh, Centipedal, and she uh, begins to revert back to her more bestial form. Uh, she runs to the teleport pad, uh, trying to get it to work. And through a series of questions, Stephen determines that she wants to go back to her ship. Uh, they teleport back there uh, while Centipedal continues to um, turn back into the big Centipedal form. Um, they finally uh, get into the ship with Stephen being able to unlock the ship with his hand. Uh, and they get into the ship only to discover what Centipedal wanted to get back to was a whole bunch of other Centipedals. It's her crew. Uh, they're on the ship still. Uh, they have been corrupted, but they're all Centipedals together. Uh, the the gyms show up, revealing that the scribbles that uh, Centipedal had written down were, in fact, just the, the gym language in a written form. And they could read everything that she wrote. Um... And uh, they decide to let the centipedals uh, stay and chill to be a little family. Um, Steven wants to uh, wants to learn the gym language. Just a couple of phrases like, hi, how are you? And upon seeing the symbol of the diamonds, uh, he says, uh, sadly, I'm sorry, uh, Starwipe, the end. Steven is best boy. It's true. He's the best boy. Um, uh, so I do think Centipedal is nephrite, by the way. She's a nephrite. Yeah, I figured since that's what Izzy said in mm -hmm. the Discord, um, which is good to know. Uh, it's good to know. Mm -hmm. But that also, one is Centi. she spot Pearl <laughs> at one point in time. We'll get a little bit of a lore dump that maybe Pearl and Centipedal actually fought each other. <laughs> okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, because Steven's power up until this point 
has primarily been used on animate beings. Mm -hmm. uh, And now we have seen it be used on inanimate objects. So I would say that this is probably another escalation of Steven's abilities. Yeah, because I don't think we ever saw him use... Because he he healed... Did he heal plants when his powers were still working? I don't remember. I guess it's heavily implied that his his powers can heal plants, what with them being, like, uh, like, equal to Rose's tears, which, like, brought all the roses and stuff back to life. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, like, plants are still, like, living beings right right they are alive in the way that mc bear bear is not absolutely so you know that's interesting to see yeah my first note was adorable uh and then i guess steven said something about not being able to find good bears and I was like, Stephen, I know where you can find more good bears. Uh, mm, <laughs> when you're older. Mm, fair. Mm-hmm. Fair. I can't not there's make the, the joke. <laughs> like, it's too easy. It's there. There's there's the Cape Cod bear run, which uh, bless my, my friend's mother's heart. Uh, she did not realize that... Uh, the the kind of bears that were involved in the bear run were not the uh four-legged kind um because she she didn't realize that or um she didn't realize that provincetown where the bear run is held uh is the gay capital of massachusetts yeah it's the gayest place in massachusetts yeah so you know but it's fine it's fine um Amethyst and Pearl's brief interactions here, again, very good. I always love to see them playing off of each other. Uh, And I still love seeing how soft Garnet is for Steven. Like, I don't know. I just, every time, like, their relationship grows, Mm -hmm. I just keep being reminded of how, like, this isn't the sort of thing that Garnet would have done, say, 30 episodes ago. She wouldn't right. have let Steven uh, kind of push her in this direction. Right, right, right. She would have been a little bit more hard-nosed about it. Yeah. Uh, I love chaos mode Steven. Of just ca- Steven, like, throws the plate on the fucking ground. Look what I can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Garnet's just like, yeah, let's break things. <laughs> Pearl, um, Pearl horrified, just could not think of a more terrible thing. Yeah. Uh, I also love how just like Steven's like, hell yeah, I fixed Scent Beetle because he doesn't know what she's supposed to look like. And the gems are just fucking horrified by the thing happening in front of them. I think that's a really interesting and telling uh portrayal of like how monstrousness is ascribed to things and people Mm -hmm. because in a lot of cases if you don't know necessarily that something is meant to be monstrous you might not necessarily think that it's so and so steven doesn't know what centipedal is supposed to look like doesn't know what nephrite's supposed to be he just knows that centipedal is no longer a centipedal and is just happy that he's had a positive, presumably positive impact on her. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly better, like, you know, assuming that it would have been able to stick, it's certainly better than being yeah. the centipedal. Yeah. Like, she very clearly had her sapience back. Yeah. If, um, like, you know, if she hadn't have started changing, the gems would have realized that she could write, and then they would have had, a you know, a direct form of communication with her. Yeah, exactly. And then they could get her a, a speaking spell and, you know, it would have been fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, though I do I do like that corruption is the sort of like, like mentally traumatic thing. And that yes. experiencing the re-experiencing the trauma of it triggered it again. Yes, um, that was very, very interesting. Uh, it is also interesting the way that the show does clearly delineate that trauma is not the same as physical harm uh, and can manifest itself differently. And in that same vein, like a lot of people who are traumatized in, in very real ways and exhibit symptoms of that trauma are frequently categorized as being other and demonized like mm-hmm. especially when you count when you get into like cluster b personality disorders or when you get into uh things like schizophrenia where you know these are mental illnesses that are extremely demonized people who have them are frequently called monsters um and so you know, the fact that Steven doesn't know better, well, not better, the st- the fact that Steven doesn't know differently and is willing to accept uh, Centipedal slash Nephrite as she is despite her trauma is also really interesting. Mm-hmm. And what's a, what's a cool thing t- that I'll talk about now because it's like literally years before we get to it, but, you know, spoiler alert, they figure out a solution to the like the corrupted gems problem by the end of the series. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could have guessed that they did that. Uh, but what's interesting is when the gems come back from being corrupted, they're not like, they're not one, like they still show signs of what previous form that they had. Like it Mm -hmm. never goes away completely, Mm -hmm. which I, I, I like because it's like, oh yeah, they're like, it's the same as like, oh cool. I'm, I'm on my meds, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But that doesn't change this thing that's hardwired into my brain now. Yeah. Just because you can recover from trauma doesn't mean you're going to be the same as you were before the trauma happened. It just means you're going to be, you know, potentially be whole in a different way. Right. And I like, you know, that's one thing I definitely appreciated later into the thing that wasn't like a clean, Mm -hmm. clean restructuring. Though also no one ever... Like, obviously, like, this is not a show that, like, where people are like, oh, they still show the blah, blah, like, you know, they still show signs of, like, no one's like, oh, yeah, that's just how they look now. It's fine. It's fine. No one cares. Um. Um. I, they were just gonna straight old yeller centipedal there, huh? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, at least they didn't look happy about it. Yeah. Amethyst was real upset, like, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, she was willing to do it, but she didn't look like she was going to be happy about it compared to, like, the ways in which they were happy to poof centipedal before. Yeah. 
so well, I, again, I think character the, development. It's true. And I also think like this is under their current their understanding of the situation at the time. Now, given they probably maybe should have explored the situation a little bit further and they maybe could have realized this was different. But like they're under like and especially the way that she was acting. It's like, oh, she's you know, more physically whole, but mentally still not there. This is more of like just like a like a yeah. mercy thing. Like, I wouldn't want to be like this is, you know, probably their thinking. Yeah. I don't um, know, man. Being being like a cool monster lady who can spit acid seems pretty cool to me. But uh, well, I know. think if they thought that she was more co- like more self actualized like, and more cogent than she was, they would have had a different opinion about it too. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, like she may have had a different opinion, but it, it honestly, it's it's difficult to say the ways in which gyms relate to their physical forms because just by the nature of being a gym makes it all very muddy considering Mm -hmm. that your form is just hard light so you know maybe maybe she was more distressed by the fact that she didn't have an easy way to communicate than she was necessarily about the fact that she had a beak yeah i think that was more it like i think that like the distress is like the lack of communication being probably like having seemingly probably like conflicting thoughts or like some level of like amnesia going on Mm -hmm. um you know being just disoriented in general uh and and probably like transitioning from like whatever state of mind you're in when you're in the more like bestial corrupted form to like Mm -hmm. something that sort of in between section um is probably also very disorienting yeah. Um, uh, I do want to comment that Steven's devotion to trying to help people is definitely going to get him super hurt one day. <laughs> um, soon. <laughs> I know. I figured. Um, the, what is it? Oh, the, uh, Corrupted Roommate is my new beatdown hardcore band. <laughs> Again dig amethyst willing to just accept whatever steven has to offer right like yeah fuck it let's go <laughs> yeah she's she's just super down as long as steve you know steve cup is throwing a steep party like mm-hmm. um uh, the interactions between senti and uh steven are like super duper wholesome where they're singing the chaps song <laughs> i know I know. And then like the the sequence where like he's narrating her drawings are also very cute. Uh I mean, it's Until not, cute not cute what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. But but just like and the way that the art for the the episode changes to the stick figures and stuff and the way that they make that stuff extremely upsetting mm-hmm. is very good. I was wondering, I posit, I was going to posit this to you. So as Steven is narrating this, I don't know how much he is interpreting just from the art or if his like empathy powers are just going like fucking full tilt because he's getting way too much information from stick figures. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's good at drawing stick figures, but mm-hmm. no, there's definitely some more going on there. Either by, you know, writer fiat or because in universe his 
history of having extreme empathy is in overdrive. I think that's what it is because his powers are growing significantly. Because, uh, like, I mean, hell, he was able to, like, interact regularly and at will with mm-hmm. Kiki's dreams and stuff. And he's in this heightened sense of, like, this heightened emotional state while she's also in this heightened emotional state. So, you know, um, I-, I think maybe it's just his powers kicking in without him necessarily realizing what's going on. And also interpreting, like, you know, it, 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 it's not hard for his, you know, to see his brain, like, picking up this little bit of information and looking at the drawings and getting, like, you know, putting two and two together there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The shift back is also very, very bad. <laughs> Just a yeah. bad time all around. Yeah, super, super not, not good for anybody. Um, but I, I love, I love her so much. And I love that her last moments as a sapient being are wanting to get back to her crew. Mm-hmm. That is just so fucking heartbreaking. Um, I do, I do want to say that this raises some some questions about like how many gems in the basement are homeworld, you know, corrupted homeworld gems versus corrupted crystal gems. Because I, I don't know why. I always just had the assumption based on like the way that like Pearl and Garnet reacted to, uh, like talking about the gems in the basement. It always made me think that they were like corrupted crystal gems you know, crystal gems that got fucked up during the war that they were trying to just, like, kind of, you know, keep safe and out of the way. But, uh, guess they aren't. I I don't think that they can tell. Because there were di- a bunch of different gems from a bunch of different types on both sides. Mm-hmm. I, and, I mean, once they're corrupted, there's, I have, you know, I can't understand how you would be able to tell them apart. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And again, like, this is just me assuming, mm-hmm. so. Um, I mean, I think they just feel responsible for them in general. Because mm-hmm. in, yeah. you know, in a very roundabout way, like, the you know, they played a part in the things, like, the events that led up to this happening. They were obviously not the ones who pulled the proverbial trigger. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. Uh. But yes, I got done watching this episode and Anya was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no. I'm so sad. This episode was very sad. I'm glad Centipedal found some modicum of happiness. But I'm so sad. That's it. That's my notes. Yep. (laughs) Sorry, somebody had messaged me. Um, Yeah, I just wrote "Mm, trauma as my last note. (laughs) Yeah. I also feel like we're getting some some solid foreshadowing that Steven is a diamond because he keeps being able to interact with all this stuff he shouldn't be able to tech-wise. Mm-hmm. And I guess no one's no one's really thinking about it because it's so far out of context, but yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you think back to when they were on the moon base with Peridot, like, he activated... A chair that was theoretically meant for the diamonds. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, okay. 
Well, let's move on to uh, episode 93, Alone at Sea. Uh, came out July 28th, 2016. Uh, was written by Hilary Florido, Kate Cat Morris, and Rebecca Sugar. Uh, of course, Rebecca was on this one. <laughs> Rebecca only shows up for the most traumatizing episodes of Steven Universe. <sighs> um, Steven and Greg take a uh, Stephen and Greg take a boat trip out to sea to find and find themselves in dangerous water. This is not a hundred percent true because they don't like. I I guess they don't want to mention that Lapis is there, but it could be like Stephen and friends, or something yeah. like that. Like just leave. Yeah, like I they mean, just cut Lapis out entirely. I don't know. It's a solid C. Yeah, like, better than the last one. Yeah, like. <laughs> It gives you it gives you the gist of they're out at sea and something awful happens, mm-hmm. but they lose points for cutting Lapis out or yeah. at least implying that it's just Steven and Greg. Right, right. Uh, so Steven takes Lapis uh, out to the dock. Uh, she's covering her eyes with her water wings so that she can definitely see through. Also, I don't know if the gyms even need to be able to open their eyes to see. They probably don't, but whatever. <laughs> Their eyes are fake, so, you know. Um, uh, but Stephen is like, ta-da, and they, he says that they bought a boat, to which Stephen, or Greg corrects them that they did not buy a boat, they're renting a boat, because that would be fucking wild if Greg bought a boat. Um, uh, Greg introduces himself to Lapis. Uh, Lapis doesn't recognize him. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm that dude whose leg you fucking broke when you tried to steal the ocean. She's like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm Lapis. <laughs> um... And, uh, basically the idea is they're, they want Lapis to come out onto the boat with them so she can reconnect to the water in, like, kind of, like, a safe space, um, and allow her to, like, reconnect to a part of herself that she's feeling alienated from ever since the whole, like, Malachite incident. Um, they get out on the boat, uh, and once they pull out to see, uh, Greg tries to, like, give Lapis the captain's hat, make her captain, uh, to which Lapis gets extremely uncomfortable and lashes out about, uh, but apologizes and is like, I just don't want to be in charge of things. Steven is like, it's no worries, we're just gonna do fun things today, posy vibes only, uh, and, um, they then, uh, all decide that they're all first mates, I guess. And then they start doing a bunch of boat activities. Uh, they're drinking orange juice. I guess they're supposed to be mimosas, except there's no champagne. Uh, Greg might be straight edge. I'm wondering. Uh, <laughs> I'm beginning to I, think that Greg is straight edge for life. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they, they honk the horn a lot, much to Greg's chagrin. Uh, they find Greg fishing, uh, where Lapis tries to help and raises a large section of the ocean up with the fish, uh, demonstrating again that Lapis is extremely fucking powerful. Um, but, uh, Lapis takes over, uh, fishing a little bit, like with Greg showing her, uh, they get a bite, uh, and is some kind of massive, ominous, dark shadow, uh, in the ocean, uh, that almost pulls Lapis overboard, but with the help of Greg and Steven, she doesn't go over, though the rod does break, um, uh, so Lapis walks away, she goes to sit on the deck chairs, 
uh, where she has a little bit of a conversation with Steven. She's feeling bad. Uh, you can definitely tell that she's starting to feel bad uh, when the boat lurches. Uh, Greg calls Steven up to the uh, where the the steering wheel is for the boat. What's that called? Galley? Uh, no. No, the galley's like the kitchen. Yeah. Cockpit? Uh, deck? Mm. Uh, the uh, the boat brain he calls him up to the boat brain uh-huh. uh, and is like Steven the fucking boat's not working and this manual doesn't tell us anything um, the boat lurches some more um, when the they go downstairs and the motor basically fucking explodes uh, Steven goes out to Lapis a storm is rolling in and he's like hey bad news we're gonna be stuck here and Lapis is like And Steven starts apologizing, being like, I'm sorry, this has just been kind of a disaster of a trip. And Lapis is like, no, it's my fault. I'm trying really hard, but I can't get over uh, being out here. Makes me think about Jasper, makes me think about being Malachite. And and then she kind of drops the big revelation that, like, she misses being with Jasper, even though she knows that it was terrible to like that Jasper is terrible and that the whole thing was terrible. Um it's about that time when, uh, lo and behold, climbing up the anchor of the boat, guess who the fuck it is, baby? It's Jasper. Jasper is back. Um, she, uh, confronts Steven and Lapis. Lapis is extremely scared of, uh, of Jasper. Couldn't get the word out there. Uh, and steps between them, though Jasper knocks him out of the way. Uh, before, uh, after saying, uh, you really should be pointing that shield the other way and calling Lapis a monster. Um, Jasper approaches Lapis, dropping to her knees and is like, baby, take me back. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a different person. We can be so much better together. And Lapis is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We were terrible together. Um, and Jasper's like, no, listen, we were like, I understand now. Like I've changed. Things can be better. Uh, I promise uh, Lapis seems concerned or in, in torn, sorry, not concerned, torn until she spots Steven uh, and in her resolve is like, no, we were terrible together. I don't want to feel the way that I felt with you ever again. Um, Jasper is infuriated by this, thinks it's Steven who has, uh, who has done this, uh, goes to assault him when Lapis fucking water, giant fist water punches uh, Jasper into the sky, Team Rocket blasting off against her, um, but also knocked a giant hole in the boat. Greg comes out, and he's like, what the fuck happened? Oh my god! Uh, Lapis picks up everybody and flies them away, while Greg realizes that he just bought a boat that now lives at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, Steven remarks that the ocean is beautiful, uh, today, and Lapis, uh, agrees, Starwipe the end. Okay. All right. Let's let's get through. We know we got we got some shit to talk about. Everybody knows we got some shit to talk about for this. Yes. Um. So we're let's, we're gonna go let's get through. The, let's all get of the pauses out, and then we'll get to the yes. other shit. Yes. Okay. Um. Greg and Steven. I love Greg. Great. Yes. Yep. Greg is such a good sport about everything. Like this woman literally broke his fucking leg. And he's out here renting a boat for her because he Steven thinks that it'll help her out. Um, what a good person. Like, he's he's a good dad. He's a good quasi friend, mm-hmm. I guess. 
He's just a good dude. Yeah, he's just a good guy. Yeah. Uh, equally, I love Lapis. Yeah, <laughs> and Lapis just, like, is very good. Her fucking deadpan no-selling of everything. Like, yes. oh, you broke my leg. She's like, oh, cool. Hey, I'm Lapis. Yeah. Uh, the hat yeah. thing, like, you want to wear the hat? I will not put that on my body. <laughs> yes. The snort laugh is also really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Stephen and Lapis honking the horn, fucking adorable. True. I love Greg just being like, oh my god, <laughs> please, please, and me. I'm yeah. Go fishing. I'm just going to have a normal day over here. Yeah. Uh, the cracker joke. Yeah, really good. I, I wrote in my notes, we're going to die in the ocean, but we need to get this pun in. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and uh, I deeply enjoyed like the turn near, you know, the, the back third of the episode where, you know, the they're trapped out at sea and it had like almost horror movie vibes. Mm-hmm. Like that was some good shit. I really enjoyed that. Uh, but we know the we know the Crooniverse can do horror very well. So it's true. <laughs> um, I love. I really just like like I like that we're expanding Lapis's personality of just being like Lapis is like like I, I think I wrote it here in my notes. Uh, there are two. Oh no, never mind. Uh, that that's for the next episode. But like Lapis reminds me of like basically every millennial who's been with through way too fucking much of just like I have a whole lot of trauma and somehow just extremely chill about it and like I'm gonna be very casual about my trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a fucking mood. As like a smoke screen to actually cover up how bad my trauma really is. Yeah. So Lapis is good. Uh, hopefully yes. soon we're going to get more, like, we're going to see some more Lapis Paradot interaction. There's a, one particular Lapis Paradot interaction that I love and hold dearly in my heart. So <laughs> that should be coming up this season. So I have noticed that this show mm-hmm. completely falls down when it comes to Lapis's trauma. And I think I've figured out why. Because... These showrunners are adept at making the absolute most out of 11 minutes that they possibly can, but Lapis's trauma is too big for 11 minutes. Yeah, it's too big of a period. swing. They, yeah. They've built out too much of a character to, yeah. to handle and, in the time frame that they do. Yeah. And that's, I've realized in hindsight, that was my big problem with the episode where Peridot was trying to convince Lapis to like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my biggest problem here. I feel like the Crooniverse, because they have a pretty good handle on, like, a lot of the basics of the problems that they're trying to tackle. It's just there's absolutely not enough room for them to breathe. Yeah, because the real problem is they don't mishandle anything here. It's just very quick. I... I think that it gets sloppy because they're trying to cram so much in. I don't really like how they handled the whole having a bad experience making you feel bad about something that you used to like. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I think we could have done... I think this episode would have been stronger if it was focused more on 
the relationship, like the, the baggage carried from the relate directly on the baggage carried from the relationship with, with Jasper. Yeah. Like it's just, it didn't have enough room to breathe and it was wrapped up so quickly that it felt very facile, I guess. Yeah. Like, I think it should have been two different things. Like there should have been an episode where, maybe like you could have framed it maybe lapis is having issues getting close to other people because of this you know then La- then jasper shows up and that i feel like that would have been cleaner and then then she deals with the water thing like you know you go step by step yeah. by step because like yeah. e- even beyond the issues with like even beyond the stuff that she suffered with, with through the whole malachite fusion process there is more like lapis carries just like like uh, uh you know 40 pounds of trauma in a fucking 10 pound bag you know yeah um yeah and like we her, do her life in the mirror was was horribly traumatic too yeah so and we get to some like lapis gets a lot of episodes to like deal with like they don't this is not the like and lapis is magically better after this episode well yeah i mean yeah. the show has never demonstrated itself to be that mm-hmm. but the way that it gets handled still feels very rushed and right because like when we get to the scene where like jasper and in lapis are talking it's a very good scene i'm i'm not there yet you ate my cookie dough oh no <laughs> you ate my cookie dough i'm sorry what the fuck there wasn't much left and i bought two tubs so i could have some Thank you. There was plenty left when I finished it. Where did it go? Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna have to label stuff and put shocks on it. No! I bought two tubs. Shouldn't be eating the cookie dough. It's got raw eggs in it. It's from Cineholic, so no, it doesn't. Oh, okay. It's cookie dough meant to be eaten. Yes. Yeah, it's Cineholic cookie dough because there's a Cineholic uh, right next to, literally right next to where one of my best friends works. Cool. I didn't get a straw. Um. But no, I'm not I'm not even to the point of talking about uh, Jasper and Lapis yet. Okay. Like, I'm still just super hung up on the, the specific issue of, like... Steven deciding to do exposure therapy and somehow it magically works after one 11 minute episode. I feel like Steven's exposure therapy soundly fails because Steven doesn't know what the actual problem is. It's when Lapis confronts what the actual problem is because Lapis isn't afraid of water. What it does is just remind her of Jasper. And when she gets not exactly like full closure, but some modicum of closure about Jasper, then she has better feelings about uh, like the like when she shows that she can demonstrate control over the the thing, you know, the things that she experienced with Jasper. She has a better relationship with the ocean and water in general. Yeah. And I feel like if this had had like two or three episodes, it would work for me. Yeah, it should have been an arc, like a little small little three episode arc. And I think maybe they realize that because they they do something similar, just not with like one of the B characters, you know, um, 
like later in this season, we're going to get a multi episode arc with with Amethyst dealing with uh, Amethyst's like feelings of inferiority. And it's going to get time to evolve over those episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, but, I you know, Amethyst is one of the A cast, you know what I mean? It, but it would have been yeah. nice if we devoted that time to the B cast. Like, as much as I like Kiki's Beli- Pizza Delivery Service, maybe we could have made, we could have switched the episodes a little bit and made even two episodes, like a two episode back to back sort of like continuation of the story. I think would have been more than enough time to get the thing, like get this particular aspect of, of mm-hmm. Lapis taken care of. You know what I mean? I do. But now let's talk about Jasper. Let's talk about Jasper. My new book. <laughs> um Man. Sorry, I'm eating French fries. It's okay. You've got your fucking devil devil sandwich. I know I'm a monster and that's fine. Uh the I I really like how the scene works between the two of them. Like, I feel like if you're going to condense, this is, you know, that this is that marriage story, uh, like meme that goes around, but like turned into something good. <laughs> okay. I can see that. I, again, I feel like they could have nailed it if they'd had more than four minutes for this i super duper do not like how they address being in that sort of like toxic abusive relationship um i do like that they pointed out that you can miss your abuser and that's normal mm-hmm. um and it, you know okay steven doesn't know that that's normal but you know, you can miss your abuser, and that's fine. But I did not like the way that they handled the abuser turning things back around on the person that they were abusing and making it sound like they were the one being abused. Because, like, and I think part of that comes from the way that I don't know if the Crooniverse ever really settled on is this just a toxic relationship or is this an abusive relationship because they keep sending mixed signals about it it it's whatever they need it to be in the moment i believe it becomes like uh it it definitely like swings into the like more obsessive toxic situation and less like directly abusive um, just because of the way Jasper treats other relationships going forward uh, in the show. Jasper shows up in a lot more in the back half of the season. Uh, I guess we're in the back half of the season. Jasper's going to be showing up for more in this season. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just... I... The, the way that... The way that it has been portrayed up until this point has really been leaning heavily on an abuse narrative in my mind. And 
the way that they choose to address certain things just absolutely falls flat to me. It would have been better if there had been more than, like I said, more than like three minutes to devote to what was going on. If there'd been any amount of time for like Lapis to really decompress afterwards or, you know, if there had been a little more back and forth between her and, and Jasper, maybe. But it's, as it is, it does not work for me. It makes me feel really gross. I don't know. I've always liked this scene as a person who's experienced, like, quite a number of, like, like from the outside, I guess, like, extremely garbage-ass relationships. Like, it feels very like dialogue wise feels very realistic about like the way Jasper acts, the way Jasper comes at the situation, the way she's trying to manipulate like Lapis back into the relationship. And I think it's like key that relate like that, that Lapis sets the like condition and says no at the end. Obviously Jasper doesn't yeah. respect that because Jasper's a piece of shit currently. Um, yeah, no, it, I don't have any problem with, Jasper's actions per se, I have a problem with the way that the narrative chooses to come at A, some of the things that Jasper says, and B, the way that Lapis reacts in the situation. Not that there's one right way for somebody to react, but like for the the kind of narrative and message that they're pushing with regards to what it means to be in an unhealthy sort of relationship, like I said, I just, I feel like three minutes was not enough. They, they could have landed it if they'd had more time. This is just not the kind of thing that you can cram into 11 minutes. That's period. Fair. It could have definitely been handled like, a bit better. Like... Yeah, I've been in some seriously garbo awful awful relationships like and that's possibly why I'm so judgmental about it too and why it just leaves me feeling a little bit nauseous. Like I just I didn't I did not like this at all. It it like I said, if we'd had more than 3 minutes, they could have done it. They could have stuck the landing. I believe in them, but this is not the kind of thing that you say for the last three minutes of an 11 minute episode, no matter how good you are at being efficient. Mm, that's fair. So again, it's just, it's one of those things when like they're dealing with Lapis's trauma and they just don't have enough room to breathe. And it leaves me feeling not great, but you know, Rip Jasper. Yeah. Just fucking Team Rockets her all the way the fuck off into space again. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was some good shit. Um, there, is a great under there is a great scene when, like, Jasper gets on the boat and Steven's in front of Lapis and they do the anime fucking camera pan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I don't get... Mm -hmm. Lapis is obviously super powerful and can manipulate water. Why did she not keep the water out of the boat? And before that, even, why did she not, like, create a little wave to drive the boat back to shore? Lapis doesn't care enough, <laughs> I think, is the true thing here. Uh, I guess. Yeah. 
Like, but still, that's got to be better than like hauling Greg's ass all the way back to shore. It's probably easier for her to pick up Greg than it is to move the whole ocean to like push this boat. You don't have to move the whole ocean, though. Uh, that's fair. I mean, you just have to move a tiny little bit of it around the boat. Lapis has like a weird relationship with like human things. Like she really is very detached from like concept, like why humans conceptualize certain things. But she's like very more. She's much more attached to like she's she has a weird relationship with like objects. And I don't know. Like, I don't know why. This is not explained. It's just like a weird characterization thing. Like she's kind of like it's interesting because she's like an extremely powerful character who Mm -hmm. doesn't really like to use her powers. It would seem outside of flight. Fair. And it's probably stems back to what her powers are for. Uh, Because like she doesn't have powers that are meant to like create or protect. She has powers that are meant to like terraform planets. Like, she is the vanguard of, like, the, the, like, the gem reconstruction of a planet. Fair. So. Um, okay. Seeing if there was any. Uh... No, we spent about 30 minutes for me to talk about how much i didn't like this episode so uh, apparently I feel it, like i'm good apparently it's traditionally bad luck to rename a ship after it's already been named uh which greg does <laughs> <laughs> contributing to the misfortune of the episode it says here in the trivia <laughs> i do like the, that the boat is named the ss misery that bit was really good yeah um all righty Moving on to a much less dense episode, uh, Greg the Babysitter, episode 94, uh, July 29th, 2016, written by Lamar Abrams and Katie Mitroff. Steven learns the tale of how Greg came to work at the car wash. That's right. Okay, fair enough. I'll give him that one. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's perfect. Yep, exactly. Because that's basically what happens in this episode. It's a bit of like a a moral moral episode from from Greg. So uh, they're at the car wash. Um, Greg is talking about how busy it's been. They've had two whole customers. Um, Steven is surprised that Greg's had the job for as long as he has when Greg mentions that he's been there for 15 years. Um, which I guess, well, he's been there for well, like the mud NATO happened 15 years ago. One assumes that Greg probably worked there longer than that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, he just arbitrarily mentions the date. Like, not that he's only been working there for 15 years. Greg's probably been... Yeah. Greg's obviously been working there since the mid-90s because we get more timeline in this. Anyways, I've got to move on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, He starts to tell a story about how he began to work at the car wash. Uh, Steven gets him a guitar, makes him do it through song. Uh, we uh, get a... get We cut to the song. I think it's... um. I think the name of the song is a little change. Uh, it doesn't say that anywhere. Uh, basically, yeah, basically through the montage, we see that Greg's basically hanging out at the temple. Um, but the gems don't eat 
or sleep the way that Greg has to, and he doesn't have a fucking job, so he's kind of low-key starving to death. Um, but he doesn't say anything to the gems or Rose. He just mooches off of Vidalia. Uh, we, Vidalia is ra- raising baby sour cream. Uh, Greg comes over there to mooch, uh, hangs out. He watches little Butler. He eats Vidalia cereal. He gets cereal all over himself because he maybe is kind of low key, a real child. It's Greg is very not great in this episode. <laughs> um, Vidalia, we learn has gotten a job at the t-shirt shop. Uh, but her babysitter bails on her, so she forces Greg to take care of uh, baby sour cream for the day. Greg takes baby sour cream down to the beach, suntans him, or puts uh, sunscreen on him, because he's he he's a, lo- a disaster, but he's not a total loser. Um, while they're on the beach, Rose shows up, she's like, oh my god, a baby. <laughs> uh, and she uh, likes, she, she's very happy about seeing the baby. Um, they have a conversation about how for the longest time Rose didn't realize the baby humans and humans were the same thing uh, because gems don't age in the same way uh, that humans do, that they are burnt, born for a purpose and they are to execute that purpose for basically ever. Uh, they're not meant to change. Um, Greg is inspired by this speech uh, and he goes off to get his guitar to write some lyrics. Uh, asks Rose to watch the baby. Uh, cartoon hijinks immediately ensue. Um, ba- when he returns, the baby and Rose are gone. Uh, he searches all over Beach City. Uh, when he finally finds Rose and Baby Sour Cream, Baby Sour Cream has climbed a Ferris wheel somehow. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Rose is like, yeah, he just wanted to get the fuck up there. And Greg's like, oh my God, Jesus Christ. So he climbs up to save the baby. Uh, but when he gets up there, he gets scared because he's so high in the air. Uh, Rose tries to get him down by activating the Ferris wheel. More comedy hijinks ensue. Um, Greg gets thrown off of the Ferris wheel, but, um, Rose catches him. He's like, why the fuck did you let him climb up there? And she's like, well, like, I just let him do what he wants. And he's like, you can't do that. And she's like, why you do what you want? He's like, but I'm not a baby. I don't need people to feed me or clothe me or save me. God damn it. I'm a baby. (laughs) He realizes, um, Rose puts him down. He returns baby sour cream to Vidalia. Uh, he has had a bit of an epiphany, um, wherein he kind of wanders through the town, seeing the help wanted sign at the car wash, uh, and uh, that is how Greg became uh, the guy at the car wash. Stephen asks, whatever happened to baby sour cream? The mystery uh, remains unsolved. Star wipe the end. <clears throat> uh, so st- uh, first note, more casual Stephen power advancements. Mm-hmm. Stephen getting real fast. Yep. Uh, I also, my second note in here is, well, I like the little montage. The montage was fun. It really kind of, yes. it really fills in the gaps between like what we've seen of like Rose and Greg's first meeting and like the, the, the fusion episode. Uh, and then like, uh, the lion three straight to video. Like, I really f- feel like it helps kind of fill in like how that relationship evolved. It does. Um, because Greg's just, like, and the gyms aren't really used to hanging out with a human, so I I can see them, they're very bad at human things. 
uh, even yeah. now. And so historically, they could only be worse at human things. Uh, yeah. So it makes sense, frankly, that they didn't understand that Greg was slowly dying in their living room. Yeah. Um, I do want to say the the car the song is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real banger. Like it's a very good song. Yeah. Um, I loved uh, Rose reading Greg's uh, alien fucker romance novels. <laughs> yes. Um, that that little visual gag was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like it takes place like, okay, so we have like the first meeting episode and this feels like it takes place between between that like when they first meet and the fusion episode the, like this feels like it's in that sort of interim period uh maybe because maybe I, not I, because like well i feel like i feel like this greg like greg before this moment isn't mature enough to have that conversation that he has with rose at the end of the fusion episode true and and this rose is also still extremely condescending about humanity and the nature of humanity versus the nature of gems and i'm sorry rose hater for 2069 has logged on again i don't see where she's condescending about it i don't know where the condescension comes in in this episode we'll get there Or maybe, maybe she's, I don't know, maybe she's intentionally clueless. I, the way that, the way that she talks about the differences between gems and humans with regards to growth and purpose just seems extremely shitty when she has surrounded herself by gems who have demonstrably grown and changed not necessarily physically but then again like we know amethyst likes to play with her physical form all the fucking time and like i mean i don't think she's talking about when she says gems she's talking about her she's not talking about the crystal gems she's referring to herself she's talking about herself in that conversation she feels like she can't grow and change that she was made for a purpose and that she has to deal with that purpose and the times that she's sort of deviated from that purpose there have been like awful terrible consequences for doing so it it still feels like extremely short-sighted in that case because it's like you know in talking about herself in those those poor terms it in turn reflects poorly on like all of the people that she knows who have done other things like talk talking about herself as though she is the entirety of Jim kind just feels very selfish especially considering everything else that like she knows about the people around her i mean i guess that's fair i just don't think that she's like i mean she's not making a broad I don't think in the moment she's making like a broad speechification about about like the real like she's saying gems. But realistically, what she's saying is me like I I was born for a purpose like and I was supposed to be that thing the whole time. Like and I don't think that Rose ever feels like she 
does really change. Like, I don't think that Rose thinks that she has the capacity to change. She wants to, and she tries to, and I think she does ultimately become a different person than who she used to be. Um, but I don't think she ever allows herself to see that in herself. Um, I guess like there's like a thing where, you know, like every, the gyms get songs, like the gyms have songs that are kind of very, uh, typical of them, you know, like, like, uh, Mm -hmm. Garnet has like stronger than you, uh, Pearl has like a thousand. <laughs> Pearl really, <laughs> Pearl really it sings that shit out on Maine. Um, yeah, Amethyst has song like songs that really typify them. And Rebecca Sugar has gone has basically said that "Love Like You," like the ending theme, is the song that Rose would sing if she was on the show. Mm. Uh, and I think that's like solid context about like what the motive. Now I'm not saying that Rose is. A, like she, she's so bad. She still needs to get over her bullshit, and she does pull some fucking garbage, heinous shit. But I think in this conversation, she's not talking about she's not talking about gems, and she's not really talking about humans. I think what she wants to do is she wants to be a different person. She's always wanted, like for a very, very long time, she has wanted to be somebody different, but she doesn't feel as though she has the capacity to do so. That she is, she is. Uh, deficient in that way that she d- cannot do these things that she so desperately wants and encourages in other people and she sees in other people because that's why you know she she's so she's so astonished by garnet why she is enamored with pearl uh you know why she does the whole rebellion in the first place like is the the rebellion really turns into something different once she's encounters garnet once she sees that like gems can make these choices that are not defined by the gem like empire that there's a whole new world of possibility realistically the gem war becomes way less about uh because you'll see like when bismuth shows up she talks about like this and like the gym war was really to protect the earth, not because like the earth, because the earth has intrinsic value, but, but also because it's a place where change and expression can happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, less, less heavy vibe. God damn. I'm glad that they kept Brian Pussain as baby sour cream's voice. Oh God. <laughs> I, I loved that. I loved Meh. that so much. Meh. Um, uh, two, we have two, uh, aging millennial icons and their names are Misato and Vidalia. I, they would get I to, love they Vidalia. Would, they would get along so well. I, why does everybody stop hanging out with her? Like, yeah, she's a little grumpy, but she's a single mom. She has to deal with the fact that Marty's a shithead. Like, I think. Why did everybody stop hanging out with her? It's heavily implied that Greg still does hang out with people. We just don't see it because Steven's not there. Because at some point, uh, Greg talks about, like, doing bridge club with, like, Vidalia and Barb. Oh, okay. So So I'm really only looking at Amethyst, then. I think Amethyst went through some stuff. And... We will see going forward now that we've had the episode where like her and Vidalia reconnect like they 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 do more like it's implied that they're hanging out more often now. OK, good. Yeah, because 
like I said, she she seems all right. She seems a little rightfully cranky, but she seems all right. Yeah. She doesn't deserve to be just like abandoned because she has a couple of kids. Right. But I mean, she has like a like, you know, it's also in her like in the, her defense, like it's hard for her to like, you know, she's trying to do the family thing. You know, I, I guess she's yeah. a stay at home mom now. I, yeah, because yeah, you know, yellow yellowtail's tail. probably making bank as a as a fisherman. I but guess. Like, I, I'm <laughs> I, I'm glad that the world of Steven Universe is better for like uh like physical laborers than the real world is. <laughs> yeah, well, he has enough money to like absolutely trick out his boat so he can throw an impromptu rave for his stepson. So I'm assuming they're doing okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, um, and also, but, like, like, Onion seems like the kind of kid who needs, like, a lot of specialized attention. Whatever it is that's yeah. going on with Onion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I do think it's really good to see, like, I'm not expecting the show to, like, tackle it head on or anything, but it is good to see the show address the fact that single parents do need childcare and, like, that is an important part of them being able to go out and earn a living to support their families. Yes. Yeah. Um, Vidalia is a real one. Yeah. I like, I like Vidalia a lot. I also like um, that Vidalia is like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm out of food and just eats the baby food. Cause I feel like that's extremely yeah. big mom vibes. Somebody is a yeah, mom I've, writing this episode. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's the case for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Baby sour cream is just really cute. He's super cute. I like him a uh, lot. Also, man, young Greg's still hot as hell. Holy shit. When yeah, he took off his shirt, I'm like, fuck, that not eating's doing good for you, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mad about how, how hot young Greg is. That's deeply upsetting. <laughs> um... Is this the beginning of Rose wanting a baby? I don't think so. I think she just like, I, I think she finds babies fun in that way that babies can be fun when they're not your baby, you know? Okay, fair. Because uh, like, this is years and like, the birth of Steven is years removed from this event. I mean, people can see something that makes them want a child and then it takes them years to work up to I it. I mean, like, that's maybe not... it could be like maybe they have more direct interaction with Vidalia as things are going along. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it's just like the I think I think the growth of Greg and Rose's relationship is what really does it. Probably. I don't know. We never see the we never see them make that decision on camera. Fair. It could be, though. I mean, if uh, my baby was as cool as, as baby sour cream was, like, if I met a baby as cool as baby sour cream, I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Babies can be yeah, cool. Fair. Holy fuck. Fair. Uh, I love, Greg I love have how seen fucking, this coming. I love how salty Vidalia is about <laughs> Rose in general. Yeah. Yeah. I Your mean, space goddess can't you, cook. Vidalia. No, not really. They don't really eat. <laughs> I also don't think yeah. Vidalia and sour or Vidalia and Amethyst are hanging out yet. I don't think at this. No. It doesn't seem like they are. No, it doesn't. Um, not at all. 
This honestly feels think, like maybe a few months into Rose and Greg's relationship, not like and, and thus yeah. Greg's relationship with the rest of the gems. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's some weird foreshadowing that I'm not going to tell you what we're foreshadowing, but there's some really weird foreshadowing in the shit that uh, Vidalia says about Rose. Okay. Um, I will take your word for it. Uh, is Funland just closed? <laughs> um, I think it's very fun to see the the ways in which uh, Stephen inherits his mother's propensity for destroying boardwalk rides. Hey, hey, he gets part of that from his dad, too. <laughs> Man, Greg's spry to climb up that hole. I would just die. Like, I would climb onto the oh, side yeah. of the Ferris wheel, fall off, and die. So. Yeah, basically. Um, basically. I, you know... I would get mad at Rose for not taking care of the baby, but I don't think she understands how babies work. And and no. in her defense, I don't think any of the other gems know how babies work. So I'm going to give her a pass on, like, not understanding how babies. Yeah. But by this point, Greg should understand that Rose, Rose's only real experience with humanity is a couple of alien fucker flings. Yes. Yeah. Like, and those were all cogent functioning adults. Like she has a point. Why would she understand how babies work? They have, she has no cultural context for that. Yeah. Um, uh, I love like Greg's reflection going to get the Vidalia. And, like, I love the interaction where she's like, you want your shirt back? He's like, we all got to grow up sometime. She's like, that's not, that's not what, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've had that reaction to many people before. I I feel you, Vidalia. Also, um, did Greg just walk into the car wash? I think Greg walked. Yeah, he just like fucking broke into the car wash and stole the help wanted sign and used that as leverage to get a job. Yeah, that's what happened, right? He just decided he worked at the yeah. car wash. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, I I didn't. The the whole thing, like, I get why Greg made the realization he made, and it's it's very good, yeah. but, like, I didn't like the whole ideas, like, the 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 false equivalency between him and a, a literal baby sat, uh, sat wrong with me, but, you know, it's fine. I get what they're getting at, and, like, I feel like they nailed the message about how, like, you know, actually growing up is a conscious choice. Right, because, like, other times that we've seen Greg, like, every other time except for the very first time that he met uh, Rose, Greg has, like, a, a much higher level of maturity than he does in this episode. Because he's kind of a little dumbass in this episode. And he's, like, willfully just being, like, really inconsiderate of other people. Like, about Vidalia and eating all her fucking food. Like, it's one thing to hang out there. He doesn't have yeah. a fucking home. He lives in a goddamn van, right? He can hang out at Vi Vidalia. Yeah. obviously doesn't mind hanging out with him, but he is decidedly taking advantage of her and her, her like, good, her, her kindness. Yeah. Um, and so it is nice for them to be like, oh, to, to, like, to be like, yeah, Greg wasn't always 
the coolest dude. He had to choose to be the cool dude. Yeah, and I mean, like, God, I feel like there are plenty of people that I've known in my life who... The, the way I always compared it to was, like, at around the age of, like, 25 to 26, mm-hmm. it's, like, you get the chance to to poke evolve, but some people are just fucking mashing that B button as hard as they can. Like, it is definitely a conscious decision to to mature. Right. I'm glad that Greg took it. Yeah. This this series would not be nearly as charming if Greg were not as cool of a dude as he is. Yeah, and it's interesting that, like, what they show his level, like, what his maturity is. Like, he just, like, he doesn't want people to take, like, he decides people don't need to take care of me. I should take care of myself. Like, I am capable mm-hmm. of doing so. Uh, not that he, like, grows up and get like, he still lives in a van. He's still Greg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he chooses to take responsibility for himself, which is something that not everybody does. Right, exactly. And he can make whatever choices he wants from that point forward, uh, like living in a van when you have millions of Mm -hmm. dollars. Uh, Yeah. uh, But yeah, fun little episode. Yeah. Good little cartoon. I liked it a lot. What wait, what'd you yeah. say? I said I liked it a lot. It was a cute episode. Um I wish we got more Vidalia, like as a kid. Or as like a younger yeah. person. Vidalia's cool as hell. She really is. Uh comments. Oh yeah, comments from the Discord. We have people. Join our Discord. Talk about the episode. Uh Izzy. Says about Monster Reunion. I love Nephrite a lot. She's one of my favorite side characters to come up, uh, to come up because of how she shows the audience that the hesitancy of the gems to actually want to heal the corruption caused by the diamonds. Like on one hand, they do, but a lot of the gems are the enemies of them. Also, Pearl, let Steven do the thing. Let him fix the plate. Dang it. Uh, anyways, I cried about Nephrite. I cry about Nephrite five ever. Um, I think that's a good point. Like. I don't think the gen- I the way it came off to me in this episode is that Rose has tried to do almost certainly Rose tried to do this immediately. And it seems as though Steven is better at it than she did. Yeah. And cuz I think they've previously mentioned that even Rose couldn't heal the corruption, implying that she tried yes. to do so. Yeah, they've definitely implied that there's stuff that Rose couldn't necessarily do that Steven can. Yeah, like, I don't think Rose had, like, obviously, <laughs> we've seen Rose Quartz. Uh, she did not have any empathy powers, I do not feel. Yeah. Um, these are exclusive to Steven. And the reasons why Steven is better than her, you know what I mean? Like, wh- like his mm-hmm. power, like, they personified, like, Steven is a better character. Like, he is a better person than Rose because he is more empathetic. And they, you know, they, like, they actualize that in the show by giving him literal powers of empathy. Yeah. Um, And maybe that's why he's better at it is because he can more emotionally connect with the person that he's healing. Yeah. Uh, That would make sense. Though, you know, just because you have a positive attitude and you're supportive doesn't necessarily, like, 
immediately resolve whatever trauma somebody's gone through, uh, which is mm-hmm. good. But like you know, it, it, it it's helpful. Like I you know the the metaphor is working there. I feel like agreed. Um, but I I feel like even if they weren't there in it, like. I mean, we will be shown this later, too. Like, when they get a, a surefire way of returning the corrupted gems, they do so whether they were enemies or not, you know? I don't think, mm-hmm. even at the, like, the depths of the gem war, this is definitely not what they wanted. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this seemed like the uh, uh, gem version of dropping a nuke for the fir- for the first time. Yeah. And it had, like, this is, we will find out that this was an, un, like, the corrupted gems are an unintended consequence of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Steven shouldn't, so, so, A, I agree with Pearl, Steven probably should not touch the broken plate. But, do you think the broken plate can even hurt Steven? Like, is he capable of taking physical damage now? Like, with his healing powers working, and he's already been shown to be extremely tough, like, can he be hurt by mortal weapons? Has Steven become God? I mean, I can understand Pearl not wanting to take that chance. It's true. Uh, Also, she probably doesn't necessarily conceptualize the damage. Well, she's probably not been around for a lot of the really bad shit that's happened to Steven either. Otherwise... Like, she would either cry or go into a murderous rage or do both at the same time. Yeah. I feel like if she was around when, like, somebody, like, when Jasper, like, really hurt Steven, she'd be like, yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna kill Jasper now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Alone at Sea. Uh, this episode has been it has been and continues to be a difficult one for me since it cuts almost directly to the point and how harshly an abusive relationship can warp a person's self perception. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel I, like we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Greg, the babysitter. Rose should never be around children ever. This is this is fair also what well good for steven she can't yeah exactly i mean we see that the other gems were very bad at handling a baby as well we get a like a gems like i think it's called three gems and a baby is the name of the episode (laughs) uh because like if if somebody like underhands you that sort of title you got to swing for the fences with it Um, oh yeah absolutely but yeah we definitely get to see the gems with a baby steven and they do not they do not do very well with it who added a sour cream sticker to our server our emoji to our server uh, not sour cream onion um nobody uh that is from a different server okay <laughs> uh and it is not onion it's gunion because he's got a oh, gun great w- wonderful um yes. also the what happened to baby sour cream no one knows uh, as he walks by joke is very hilarious it is it's so good. It's very good, especially because he goes, meh. meh. Brian Pusain is meh. a very good voice actor, underrated voice actor, frankly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's not, like, he's, he's not good. doing a whole lot in this episode, but he's good in the episode. Like, he's good in other shows that he's in. Uh, he had an interesting D&D podcast, too. Huh. Yeah, they were, it was called Nerd Poker. I don't know if it still happens, but it was very, they played, like, they were playing, like, fucking second edition D&D. 
Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, more power to them, I guess. It was also, I if, feel like this it was like early days of podcasting when they were doing it too, so. Fair. Uh, I just, I can't imagine, I already think that D&D is like radio poison. I can't imagine what second would be like on the radio. You know what? I bet 4th edition D&D flows way better when it comes to like a radio program. Not unless you're, not... Not unless you are playing it fast and loose with already fast and loose rules, uh, because Taz Balance was 4E and they were just chucking a lot of stuff out the window left and that right. Was four, no, and I thought that was worked. 5E because they were playing the Lost Minds of nope. Vandelver as the beginning of it. Nope, that was 4E. And then um, Graduation was 5E. Oh, okay. But either yeah. way, like, it only worked because they were throwing shit out the window. Yeah. Um, power, like, the evolutionary tree of Powered by the Apocalypse for, like, long-form campaigns. And, and, and that I, like, <sighs> you know, the things that are birthed out of that, like, Forged in the Dark and so on and so on. Um, yeah, Forged in the Dark, No Dice, No Masters. Yeah, they all kind of have the common ancestor. Yeah. Um, better for radio, frankly, while still having enough rules that yeah. they're a game. Yeah, it's, and I mean, like, it, I'm not saying that D&D isn't fun to play. It's just, it's not fun to listen to IMO. Yeah, for real. Uh, like, I like playing D&D, like, it's like a straight up, you know, like a fun little game, especially like the tactics, like. If you've got a group of people who are real into the tactics part of the D&D like thing, it can be very fun. Yeah. Um but you got to everybody's got to be invested in it, otherwise it becomes like like as soon as one person is not invested and just kind of like waiting for their turn to come up and then checking back out, it 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 like loses a lot of the momentum. Yeah. So anyways, you can join our Discord where we'll shit talk D&D uh, some more. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, have fun with that, I guess. Um, so our next episodes are going to be episode 95, 96, and 97. Jim Hunt, Crack the Whip, and Steven versus Amethyst. Uh, we're here. We're in that arc. This is the back half of the season where I said Jasper shows up some more. <laughs> This is it. I didn't realize awesome. it was happening now. Um, and then I think after that, our plan was so our plan going forward, because we only have a few episodes left in this season. Um, are we're going to do Jim Hunt, Crack the Whip and Steven versus Amethyst. And then we're going to do just Bismuth. Bismuth is its own episode, right? Mm -hmm. OK, are we doing we're going to do then we're just going to do four episodes, Beta, Earthling, Back to the Moon and Bubbled. Or are we going to do two episodes and two episodes? I cannot remember what um, we said we were going to do. I think we said we were going to do two and okay. two. Sweet. That means we could theoretically book Effie. Um, <laughs> that is not one of our our, our uh, episodes. So we're also going to take like an extended break over the holidays. Uh, I'll probably continue to remind you guys at the end of episodes. Um, not like a break. Like, we're not, we're going to continue to record episodes, but we're going to take a break from Steven Universe until, like, the new year. Um, yep. 
and we're going to watch almost certainly we're definitely going to watch the Utena movie. Yes. Um, And then possibly the other two Ava movies or possibly the Matrix. We have yet to firm firmly settle on the other one. Yeah. So uh, both sound equally enticing, also, frankly. We could also do a one shot of that Jim Sona game I found. Uh, we could just drop that in the feed. We we record. We only drop. We could drop extra bonus holiday episodes presents for the kids. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, All the kids out there who listen to us. Shout out to I guess Daniel, <laughs> <laughs> um, who hopefully is not listening to this episode because he's very into critical role right now. And I don't want to get into the minutia of it. Cause he's only 13. He just likes the show. Cause he likes the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm, and that's yeah, fine. I'm just trying, I'm trying to slowly get him into some other stuff easily. You know, he's at the beginning of the journey. We were all at the beginning of the journey. So yeah. Um, honestly, like, I don't know. Taz balance might be his speed. Yeah, well, he also does already like the, the McElroy's cause like, you know, uh, he has listened to Mibim Bam quite a lot. Yeah, like I feel like Taz Balance would would be a good a good way to like shift him. Yeah, nudge him away from Critical Role because I was I was in the Taz to Friends at the Table pipeline. Right. Uh, it's because like I found out about Friends at the Table because Griffin specifically mentioned it. I found out about Friends at the Table because the gay podcast fairy told me. That's fair. Have I told you this no. story? Okay, so I was super into Taz, like super duper into Taz. And um, I remember being at a party where I didn't know a whole bunch of people. It was it was a party for a friend and uh, um, for my friends. Uh, I don't remember if they were her fiance at the time or what. But. There were a couple of people there I didn't know, and I was talking about podcasts as I am wont to do, and I was talking about the Adventure Zone, and somebody, I don't know who, said, oh, I don't listen to the Adventure Zone, but I listen to Friends at the Table. And I was like, oh, what's that? And so they gave me the pitch about Friends at the Table, and so like the next day I started listening to Friends at the Table because it sounded really cool. Um, there's just one problem. Nobody at that party will cop to telling me about friends at the table. Nobody. <laughs> so the gay podcast fairy just visited me at a party one day and was like, here, you need to listen to friends at the table. It'll literally change your life. Uh, and it did. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I because like the thing is, if I was 13, I don't know if I had have the patience to listen to like Friends at the Table length episodes of a podcast. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but Taz, Taz, yeah, I, I feel like Taz much would more probably consumable. be his speed. Yeah. And better. Yeah. Like, listen, if we're going to talk about the hierarchy, better than Critical Role. First yeah. two seasons, I don't know, but I haven't listened to the new season. It's probably not because Travis is running it. But like, uh, I. Well, I like the monster Travis's of the week season, season quite, quite a lot. But oh yeah, I thought it was very. I think fun it's the best thing overall. But also, um, Travis's yeah. season is over now. Yeah. Thank fuck. But I Justin's running this season, right? No, Griffin's, Griffin's back, back to in running the fucking it. driver's seat. I don't. I think Justin I, could do a I pretty don't. good job, frankly. 
I think Justin or Clint would be very good. I I uh, like Clint a lot. I don't know. I don't know if Clint has like long he, form season in him. He needs to run at least a mini season of masks. Yeah. But but um, yeah, because do not no, let Griffin's him play the fate system the, again. Fate system also a great system to play. Also radio totally poison. radio poison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he needs to run a mini season of masks. That's all there is to it. But no, it's just Griffin's in the driver's seat and they played the quiet year for like the season setup, which was kind of fun. Travis's character is in fucking sufferable. And I just. Even though it's like ocean themed and mm-hmm. stuff i just i couldn't get into it and yeah I'm same so i was like burnt out. i was like whatever new new season let's let's try this because i thought they did a pretty good job with the choir i know halfway through things got a little bit lost in the sauce but they also had to take a long break because one of them had a kid you know shit happens again yeah i'm gonna get you know yeah uh we've all been there <laughs> Uh, in the quiet years, the kind of game that you really need to finish in one or two very close together settings because it's really easy to yeah. lose your place. But it happens, you know. Yeah. The world happens, you know. Life happens. Um, yeah. No, i I thought that I thought that their setup was was pretty fun overall. Like, um, but I just I can't. I've moved mm-hmm. on. It's I I I will diminish and head west. Yep. And by head west, I mean go to more niche and out there podcasts. <laughs> right, right. Just keep getting um, deeper and deeper into the into yeah. the hole. This is my hole. <laughs> yeah. So I have a I have a the the Amagira fault joke. Uh, we I was driving to my brother's wedding. Um, uh-huh. I was driving through Pigeon Forge, which is like historic for people who don't know. Pigeon Forge is like a tourist town. And right now it's just like a hellscape because it's the fall and there's a ton of tourists. Uh, mm-hmm. And I need to get over and I'm I'm in the middle lane of this three lane sort of area. And I see a spot and I yell out, that's my hole. It was meant for me. And I just like, got to get it. <laughs> oh, my God. And Mary just looked at me horrified. <laughs> oh, my God, Brian. <laughs> I do feel as though I was stretched out to inhuman proportions after that wedding, though, so. Fair. All right. Well, all right. Join us next time. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Tweet Uh, at Effie on the Internet and tell Effie to come on our show because I emailed Effie about it. Yeah. Effie's a a wrestler that you should watch. If you don't like wrestling, you'll like Effie. Uh, so. All right. Well, I think you did it last time, or did I do it? Who? I I no, I did it okay, last so time. It's, it's I I distinctly yeah. remember. Um. Yep. So, uh, audience, I implore you to be like Cookie Cat and tell Matt Mercer to fuck off into hell. Peace. Peace.